Good morning. Welcome to Gather Round with Rebecca Spooner. Maybe it's not morning for you. Maybe you're listening to this in the afternoon or the evening, and that's okay. But it is morning for me, very early in the morning, I might add. Today's episode is titled True Discipleship, and I'm just going to process with you guys what I've been processing for the last little while about um, family and discipleship and what that looks like. So if you have been, I don't know, looking for or hungry for true discipleship in your life, if you have been feeling um, convicted or prompted to um, be discipling someone else and be used in that way, or if you just want to talk then this episode is for you. So let's get into it. And I'm very excited to just talk with you guys and share what's on my heart. All right, so true discipleship, what is it? You know, as I've really pondered this question in these past, honestly, I'd probably say this past year, um, I think that we maybe have a misrepresentation today of what discipleship actually looks like. I feel like um, that's probably not a trending word in the Christian church. I would say that, you know, you don't hear it talked about all the time. Discipleship is not you know, it's not common. Okay. It's not something we generally talk about, but there is a trending word that really, I believe means the same thing. And that is spiritual mother and father. That's trending. Okay. That's super uber popular depending on what circle you run in. But I hear it all the time, spiritual mother and father and, and people who are asking others to be their spiritual mother and father, which really ultimately means discipleship. I give you permission to speak into my life. I um, I want to be accountable to somebody. I want somebody to be able to counsel me and um, pray with me and just just care about what I'm going through. That's, that's spiritual mother and father. That's honestly discipleship. I think that's true discipleship that people are hungry for. And that is the word that it is being given in the 2022 era time period. Okay. So I don't know if you've heard that terminology before, but that's really just what that means. Um, and I've always found it, you know, I've been wrestling with it. I'll be really honest. I've been wrestling with it a little bit for a number of reasons, which we're going to get into today. One of the main reasons is that I feel like it becomes this increasing, um, this increasing thing. And so, especially when you have people that are very strong, very gifted, um, very, very much so in a leadership position, while obviously there's a lot more people that are naturally drawn to them and say, you, I respect and admire, and I would like to be able to speak into my life because that's one of the biggest problems. Anyone? One of the biggest problems is we might be hungry for mentorship and discipleship in our life, but the question is, who am I going to trust? Who am I going to trust to be in that position? I remember Jonathan and I talking about this, even even aside from just spiritual you know, mentorship and discipleship, um, early on in our marriage, we would talk about, you know, some of you have heard our story and we did not have a perfect marriage. Okay. We did like a marriage episode on my last podcast, but um but we didn't have a perfect marriage, especially in the beginning. Oh my goodness, was it a trial. It was trial by fire, you guys. It was difficult. It was painful. Um, wasn't sure we were going to make it out unscathed. And yet, yet by the grace of God, we did. But I remember so many times saying to one another, oh my goodness, we need counseling. <laughs> 
But because my husband was in the RCMP, which is federal police, for those of you who don't know here in Canada, we we were in tiny little towns where it just it wasn't actually really that possible. There wasn't really Christian counselors um, where we lived and and trying to find people that you respected and admired enough, especially for my husband, to be able to put ourselves under them to say, you know what, we see what's in your marriage and we we honor and respect that and, and we want you to speak into ours. We did not feel that. I think that's a tragedy. I think that is so sad. Now, okay, we were in small towns, maybe in a bigger city, right? Um, you know, we've transferred around. We've looked at different places. And definitely you can go in a larger city and you can pay for and find a counselor who is a Christian in in so many different places um, that will pray with you and will speak into your life. And, and I have absolutely no problem. They go to school for that. Um, they're very gifted at it. And people should be able to make an income, okay? I believe, actually... So please do not hear me wrong that um, that the old model of ministry, you know, all being, you know, support, 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 give money um, that that model. I, I've never liked that model. <laughs> I've never liked that model. So I have absolutely nothing wrong with a counselor making money. I think that um, I think it's fantastic when you can marry your business and your ministry. I think that people should get paid for the work they do. Okay. So when I say this next statement, know that that's the preface. I obviously have a business and a ministry and they I get paid for what I do, but it's a full-time ministry, okay? That being said, I think it is a tragedy that the only way that you can find someone who has the skill set, but not just the skill set, who has the time and the willingness to speak into your life is somebody you are paying. I think that's a tragedy. I think that speaks to the disconnect that is in our church. I think it speaks to the disconnect in our relationships. And ultimately, the lack of true discipleship that I think that we have today, it, it is a symptom of the lack of community that we have today. And it's a big, big problem. God's church is broken. It is fractured. And it is not just fractured because of the denominations and the the disagreements that we talked about in our last podcast episode and the the fighting between, you know, person to person about tiny little beliefs that aren't necessarily ones, and sometimes they are, but aren't necessarily ones that are, you know, the, the main tenets of our faith, but we fight and we disagree and we make these little camps. So not only do we have the disunity that is causing the lack of community, but we also have a problem where we just don't have community. I don't even think we know how to do community anymore. I don't think that the current model of church leaves room for it. I don't think there's room for it. You know, when you look at the early church and you look at people gathering, and I'm not saying, please don't hear me when I when I say this, I'm not saying that I believe that home church is the answer necessarily, okay? But you saw people gathering in these organic groups of family. That's really what they were. They were these organic groups of family who just did life together who discipled one another, who were in community with one another. The Bible says in Acts that they were actually, they they all contributed as they could and just lived together. Honestly, like I'm imagining kind of a commune situation, okay? I'm imagining that people lived in such community that there was no need because everyone just took care of everyone else and everybody offered what they had to offer. So it was a very different model 
in the early church from what we have today in our churches, which are very commercialized, which are very structured, which are very show up and, and, you know, boom, but boom, but boom, but boom, but boom, we will take you on this journey. And at the end of it, you know, there might be a little bit of visiting and now it is time for you to go home. How is there room for true community, true discipleship? You don't even know one another well enough to be able to find someone that you would respect and admire in certain areas of their life to say, hey, would you disciple me? So we have a problem. It is far more than a problem of a lack of discipleship. We have a problem with lack of community. And a big part of that is because of the model that we're trying to do, this big, grandiose model that it just does not facilitate the intimacy that is needed for true relationship, for true family, and for true discipleship. So I see this, I see this and I see that, you know, there are, there are some people that have, you know, like I was going back to one of the problems that I see with the, uh, the picture that we have of discipleship is that people look at these, you know, these leaders, the ones that are on the front lines, the ones that, you know, a pastor or um, a speaker, an evangelist, whoever they may be, and their lives are so public that it's easy to actually get to know them, even though they don't know you at all. And you see and admire things in them and you think, oh my goodness, I want to be mentored. I want to be discipled by this person. This person, I've seen their life because they've made it public and I trust them enough to go under their leadership. So what ends up happening, and not always, but what ends up happening often is that these people, you know, are asked to be in discipleship, you know, kind of relationships. And they, they let's say that they're incredibly generous. They have lots of time. They feel really called to this in their life and they take them on and they have multiple, multiple, multiple people. The problem is, is that you can't actually maintain You can't actually maintain true relationship and the ability to speak into all those people's lives when you have multiple, I believe, and I'm not talking more than one, like who knows, God God is going to ask each person to do what he's going to ask them to do, but I'm talking like 12, 20, 30, okay? I'm saying that there has to be a limit and that it is very difficult. The more people that come to you asking for those answers and that discipleship, it becomes increasingly more difficult, if not impossible, to truly have the model of discipleship that I think we're all yearning for. Now, I think Jesus was an anomaly. I think Jesus is, I mean, he had 12 disciples, guys. But I think that's because he was Jesus, and he could, because he devoted his entire life to those 12 people and raising them up. And um, I would say most of us can't devote our entire life to discipleship. Anyone else? I mean, I have five kids, I have a business, I have a husband, I have so many things in my life. I cannot be a full-time, nothing else. My only focus is is discipleship. Therefore, I, I would confidently say that I would not be able to have 12 people that I was discipling. So when I look in scripture... When I see our model of it today, whether we're going in, we're paying for, you know, counseling somebody to be able to speak into our lives because we just can't find anybody, or whether we are looking to, you know, a pastor or, um, and I'm not talking that those people can't speak in our lives. I'm talking about a discipleship relationship. Okay. Let's keep that clear. But when we look through scripture, we actually see modeled to us a one-on-one. You see, Moses had Joshua. You see, Elijah who had Elisha. You see, Paul who had Timothy. They all started 
doing life alongside, working with these people in their ministries, in essentially their jobs, their ministries. They helped them. They were their assistants. They worked with them. And because they were with them at all times, they gleaned from them, you know, knowledge and, and, um, experience because they were doing life with them. They were actually their helpers. That's what they started out as, but they became their successors. So I see something. I see something that that honestly, if we want to take the the spirituality out of it for a second, just so that we can put on a different perspective and see what maybe this might compare to, um, I see it in like the business worlds as like, I don't know, an assistant. That's what I see it as. I see it in the business world as like an EA, executive assistant, somebody who is walking with you every second of the day, doing life with you, so intimately involved, not just in your business, but in your personal life, that they know you, they know what you need. They can anticipate it before it even happens because they are working so closely with you. And they learn so much from that position because they're working so closely with you. So what is it not in my mind? What discipleship, true discipleship is not? It is not flippant. It's not just something that you say, hey, will you be my spiritual mother and father? Sure, that sounds good. It's trending right now. I feel important. I feel, you know, puffed up because that just makes me feel really, really special that you would ask me that. Um, So yeah, whatever. Like I would totally love to be your spiritual mother. I would love to be your spiritual father. I would love to like speak into your life so that I can have that notch on my belt. It's not distant. It's not something where it's like, yeah, I'll be your spiritual mother and father. I'll disciple you, but I'm going to do it from a distance. I'm going to, I'm going to just, you know, we'll get together like maybe, maybe once a month or when you really need me, then you can call me. But for the most part, I'm really actually quite busy. It's not something that, that you just, you just do from a distance. It is something that actually requires deep intimacy so that you have the ability to speak into someone's life because you know them and you know what they're going through and you have that context. It's not just a trending fad. It's actually something that goes all the way back, not just in the New Testament, not just in the early church, but all throughout the Old Testament. Discipleship is not a new thing. It is not a fad. It is not just popular because it's trending. It is becoming increasingly popular because there is a hunger and there is a need and there is a gap and there is a hole right now in the body of Christ. And it is sad. I believe that we have lost this in the church. I believe that in most circles, it doesn't exist. I'll do one more thing that it is not. It is not sucking and exhausting. This is, this is probably for me, one of the most important things. I have been asked to be people's, um, you know, to, to, to speak into people's lives for sure. I have been asked this question. I remember when I was little, I was a I think I was eight or nine. It must've been nine, 10 even. Um, there was a, there was a girl and I was involved in VBS and I was helping with it. And, um, and I, I had this younger girl who was less mature, who just loved me. She just looked up to me, admired me. Um, and I'm not talking like little kid. I have all patients. I, at that age, I had all patients. I loved kids, babysat. Like I just, I, I just, 
ah, loved kids. I'm talking somebody just a bit younger than me, um, but not as mature and a little bit needy. Okay. And I, I remember that the first few days of VBS, um, I just, I just was her friend and I was so kind and so caring and, um, and, and that just made it even more so where, you know, she was attached at my hip and just wanted to spend every second with me and never wanted to leave my side. And it got to this point where it was feeling very, very desperate. Like it was, there was no one else. There was nothing else. And I, I remember people talking to me adults. I remember them coming up to me and, and just being so, um, they admired what they were seeing. They saw that it was a sacrifice. They saw that I had really taken this person under my wing and guys, bear with me, please. I was very young, but, but I remember this. I remember it, 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 like it puffed me up. And and the first few days it was like, wow, you're just so amazing. I see what you're doing. And she just really needs a friend and you're doing so good. And thank you so much for just taking her under, oh, just stroke my ego on and on and on it went. But actually what ended up happening is I felt more and more guilty. Instead of it puffing me up, I started to feel more and more guilty because inside the desperation that I was feeling, the the intense need of me was becoming overwhelming. It felt unhealthy to me, even at my young age, and I felt like 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 she would have sucked me dry if she could have and taken every little piece of me. And I felt I felt very overwhelmed. I felt um very it, it felt sucking. It felt sucking. It felt exhausting. It didn't feel life-giving. And I am using this example. I'm using this example because I think that sometimes this happens in discipleship. I think sometimes it, if we say yes, and it is not of God, and he has not called us to do that, then it can feel exhausting. It can feel sucking in your life. And I don't know about you, but I don't have very much of me to just give in a sucking relationship. Do you know that my kids suck for me all the time? My kids need every part of me, okay? They will, they will, they will just suck me dry. But my kids are life-giving to me as well. As much as they take, they give. They don't know it, but they do. I take joy in my children. They fill me. They do something to my heart and my spirit. I just want to be in their presence. My husband, he sucks me dry, okay? He, he would spend every second of every day with me. He distracts me from my work. He doesn't want me to do anything else but just gaze into his eyes. The man loves me so, so, so much. But as much as he takes from me, he gives. As much as he pulls from me, he contributes. And as much as he requires of me, he equally puts into my life. And so it is not a sucking relationship, though it is, it is a needy relationship. It's both ways because we both need each other and we both give to one another. In discipleship, if we're not having that, and this is something, here's what I'm saying. Listen, listen very carefully, okay? You can have people in your life that are very needy and they don't give anything to you. But if it is of the Holy Spirit, then God himself will fill you. He will give you glimpses and strength and you will actually feel fulfilled and strengthened through that relationship rather than felt sucked, dry, defeated, empty, or exhausted. 
If you are dreading a phone call from somebody, there may be an unhealthy connection there. There may be something where you have said yes to a relationship or to being a, a, a type of person in somebody's life that God did not ask you to do. Because if he has asked you to do it, then it will be something that fulfills you that does not actually um, um, suck you dry. I don't know how else to say that. I'm trying to think of a more spiritual term and I don't have one, okay? It sucks you dry. And maybe you can think of somebody in your life right now that that is happening with. If that's happening with your spouse, if that's happening with your kids, then there's probably a root there. There is a, there is a root, there is something going on that is worth investigating because it should not. It should not. Yes, our kids are exhausting. Yes, they, they require a lot of us, but, but we should be taking joy in our kids and it should compensate for it. And if it is not, then maybe there's something else going on in your life where you do not have enough rest and peace to be able to fully relax and just enjoy your children because you're so worried about getting it all done and filling all the boxes. That was just a free tip. I know I'm going to go back to go back to discipleship. So that's what it's not. Okay. We have what I believe it is. Um, it's, it's an open heart. It's an open home. It's not a once a week thing. It's not a once a month thing. It's not a phone call here and there. It is opening up your heart and home. It's really hospitality. It is letting someone in. It is doing life with them. And that's where I say discipleship and community are so interlinked. I believe, like I said, that in most circles, this does not exist. I remember as a kid, <laughs> shocking because I have terrible memory, but I remember as a kid um, going to church and there was this, this time, just this one year, it never happened again my entire life, but this one year where the church decided to put on secret sisters. Anyone? Anyone do something? Maybe this was like a trending thing when we were when we were little and growing up and there was just a season for this. It was going around, okay? So secret sisters were anyone who wanted to participate would put their name in. I don't remember if we did the offering plate or in a box at the back, whatever. And we would be assigned. Somebody would have all of our names and would assign us to somebody who was older. And that person, would we would never know their name, but they would, when we went to church, there might be a little gift or a little encouraging note that was written to us. And and that was it. Somebody was praying for us and somebody was, was, we never knew who they were, but there was somebody out there that spoke to me so much. I would have been very young. We moved when I was eight, which means I was younger than eight years old. But I remember that just, just filling my heart. I remember that, that speaking to me, that was, that was one of the most powerful things I have experienced. And I was little, I was little, but it meant something that there was someone praying for me. You guys, we need people outside of just our parents. Now, when I say this, when I say, you know, I'm talking about discipleship and whatever else, there's, we are called to disciple our children. First and foremost, we are called to disciple our children. But as our children get older, and some of you who have older kids, you know, you've got teenagers or young adults, eventually they rely less on you. And even they maybe want to hear for a season in their life, maybe they want to hear less from you, and they start to look towards other people. Our kids eventually are going to need other people. I think when they're young, totally possible to be the end all and be all in our kids' lives. But as they get older, it becomes increasingly important for other voices to speak in their lives. And now, yes, we want those to be trusted voices. We want 
and to have people that um, we trust and admire speaking into our kids' lives. But as they get older, they're going to make those choices. They're going to find people to speak into their lives. And hopefully those people are, are a good influence and people that they can admire and respect and are going to help continue the work that we have started in our kids' lives. But when our kids are young, if you've got young kids, you are discipling. You are discipling your children, and that is no small thing. So you are doing a work, you are doing an important work, and it requires a lot. So if you do not feel like you have the time, the energy um, for discipling someone else, that's okay. I actually think that in the season of young parenting, I actually think that we need to be discipled. I think that in the season of young parenting, we need spiritual mothers, grandmothers, grandfathers who will come and will speak into our lives whose kids are grown and gone and they have the time to be able to say, hey, I know what it's like. I've been there with you. I just want to do life with you. I want to encourage you. I want to, I want to, you know, just bring you in and I want you to know that you are not alone. Unfortunately, Unfortunately, I have seen just a gap in this. How about you? I'm, I'm, I'm curious if I'm the only one. I would say that I had an amazing mother and an amazing father who spoke into my life, who I admired and respected greatly and honored, who were, um, I mean, and are incredible men and women of God, okay? So I had that in my growing up and and it was rich and it was wonderful. As I got older and then in my early married years and then with young kids, um, I was hungry for a mentor, for a disciple, for someone to speak into my life because it felt like my life was total chaos. Um, I felt sometimes like I was drowning. I felt sometimes like I was failing and I definitely could have used that in my life and I prayed for it. But I can confidently say that while there have been moments, um, I can I can point to key conversations where somebody um, imparted something to me or encouraged me, I did not have that ongoing discipleship relationship there wasn't anyone. There were no older mothers and fathers who could speak into our lives. We couldn't find people to counsel us in our marriage. It wasn't something that, that again, because of the lack of community, maybe there were, but we didn't know about them because, because that's the way that, that our churches are. I don't know. I don't know necessarily what it is, but I do feel like there is a profound gap. I have felt that in my own life, there is a profound gap that though I sought it actively, there was not, um, there were not people who wanted it. There were not people whose kids were grown and gone who, who I felt like were looking for or wanted that kind of a relationship. I almost feel like in our culture today, we have this, this perspective. Um, I call it the game of monopoly, where we go through life and we are, our purpose, our goal is to, um, to check off the boxes, pass, go, build our houses. Um, you know, we get married, we have kids. Um, it's like the game of life, right? These are the things that are expected of you. You should go to school. You should get married. You should have kids. You should have a career. You should have a job. You should, you know, pay off your house at this age. So that all of this leading to make sure you have a pen. Do you have, you know, your are you saving for retirement? Big, big, big question. Because it all points towards the fact that when your kids are grown and gone, it's you time. Yeah, 
You and your spouse get to take off. You get to explore the world because you have done the good work and now it is time to rest, to retire, to explore. So you're going to work like a dog all throughout your kids' growing up years and then, then, then you're going to have everything you ever wanted. Have you felt that in your life? I believe that is such a lie from the enemy. None of us knows how much time we have. And I have seen so many people, countless people who have done this and then are filled with such regret when their kids do leave the house because they weren't even hardly present. They were hardly there when their kids were young and growing up because they were so focused on their careers, on their jobs, on just survival, on getting it done, um, you know, dropping kids off here and there and, and whatever else. Even if they are present, not really present, not really enjoying it because this is what life teaches us to do. Now their kids are grown and gone and either they do that and now it becomes this kind of, you know, what can I do now that I don't have that on me? It's my time. Or it becomes this time of great regret and empty nest syndrome because you just feel like, well, what now? What now? What, what do I have left after all of that? Not to mention the fact that there are people that don't make it to retirement. We don't know the time that we have. We don't know when our day is. We don't know when we're going to die and when we're going to live. Only God knows that. So we spend all of this time building our hope in what we build with our hands, the houses we build, the retirement we build, the insurance we pay into, all of the things so that we have all of our ducks in a row. And yet at the end of the day, that can all be wiped away in a second. In a second, we're putting our hopes in the world rather than putting our hope in him. So when I was looking for this, when I was looking for this, you know, discipleship relationship, yes, maybe I didn't know the people who were open to it because there was lacking also true community. Problem number one. But also problem number two, I guarantee you that there were definitely people who were retired who are thinking it is me time. No, I'm not going to disciple anybody else. I paid my dues. Now it is time for me. This is the culture we live in because this is the, the narrative that we are told from when we grow up. And it's wrong. It is wrong. God has something for you now. You can have joy in your life now. You can have um, abundance even in your life now. You don't have to wait until retirement. And let me tell you this, when you are retired, God very well might not be finished with you yet. He might have much more and it might just be, oh, instead of retirement, I'm going to have you put away that and instead take on this. You aren't done just because you're 60. I tell my parents this all the time. I'm like, God is not finished with you yet. He's not finished with you yet. Yes, I want my parents to rest. I want them to have peace. I want them to have joy. I want them to be fulfilled. But I believe that they will be most fulfilled Maybe my mom will listen to this. I believe that they will be most fulfilled when they're actually doing something for the kingdom of God. So we have a problem. We have many problems. We have the problem of community. We have the problem of discipleship. And we have the problem of a narrative that's told to us that really doesn't, doesn't mean that we're necessarily either seeking it or that we are seeking to offer it. Because our entire perspective is, is not thinking that way. So how do we fix it? Honestly, you guys, this is what I'm wrestling with. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to fix the lack of discipleship in our lives because 
we don't have community in our lives. I, I don't know how to fix the lack of community in our lives because our church model doesn't actually really facilitate community. And I have seen people, you know, pull out and, and do a home church. And, and in the same way as like homeschooling, I see it similarly. And I, there, I have nothing against home church. I have actually done home church in, in situations where there wasn't a church in our area in Masset. Um, we had a home church and, and it, was, it was intimate and it was wonderful. And it was one of the most sweetest times in my life. So I have nothing against home church. But I also don't think that that the answer is necessarily, well, let's just do church at home. Because sometimes what ends up happening is we take the model, just like we do a school, we, we take the model of school and we replicate that at home. We say, oh, we're doing school at home. Well, that's not really the same as homeschooling, which is an entirely different model. You have the freedom to not be bound by the structure of that. To, you have the freedom to not have to do that workbook or to do this or to have that recess or sit at school desk. You have the freedom to actually learn together in your home however it works for you. But we often start off mimicking what we know because that's all we know what to do. And I think that happens sometimes with home church. We just take the model of church and we just do it in our home. Okay, we're going to do these worship songs and then somebody's going to speak and then we're going to take a couple minutes and pray together and then maybe we'll have lunch and a potluck. But there's definitely going to be some more community because it's smaller. But we're also taking the model and we're just replicating it. So so what is the answer? I, I don't think that the answer is just, well, 100% all church must end and we must do home church. No, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that that's necessarily going to fix it. I actually think in us, our perspective of the body of Christ, our perspective of of it needing to be a place or a program or a facility or whatever else is is not going to make it an easy fix. Is not going to make it an easy fix. We still have denominational breakdown. We still have um, disagreements and theological debates. We still have things that separate and divide, and that's just not going to be fixed just because we do a home church. So we just find more people who think and believe exactly as we do, and we just make our groups even smaller and more close-knit, and now nobody new can come, and nobody new is allowed because we have our intimate group, and, and there's not really room for you. Oh, but okay, then we do make room for you, and we're a home church who really believes in growing and, and being that open door, but now it gets too big. It can't fit in somebody's house, and so once again, we're back to the model of having to rent a building, and now it just becomes, again, what it was before, which is church in a building. I love church. I love the body of Christ. I love home church. I love church corporately together with people in our community. I don't know how to fix what I see happening around me. I also do not think it is going to be a one size fits all fix. At the end of the day, I believe that we are going to have to pray about this. We are going to have to ask God to heal our churches. We are going to ask God to heal our relationships and and bring community once again. That we would have unity in love. That we would learn how to love the body of Christ and one another, even the ones who are different from us or play a different role. Until we find a fix there, until God brings healing there, I don't know if we're going to be able to find necessarily um, a fix that's going to work for everything. 
God is the one who has to bring that healing. And it might look differently. Just like when Jesus healed, it didn't look the same way for each individual person. I don't think that it's necessarily a one thing that's going to fix it for everybody. I think it's going to look different. I think in some areas, that's why we we build these religions. We build these boxes and this theology around this is what church is. This is what we're supposed to do. And it's no different. People say, well, a home church, this is all it is. Maybe not. Maybe God's going to do this massive move and there's going to be a church started up. And, and that's also of him. You can't say that one thing is the fix because ultimately Holy Spirit gets to decide what the fix is going to be. And it might be different from person to person. When I've been praying about this in my own life, I do believe that the day is going to come when God is going to give me um, somebody to disciple. And actually, I was looking for a very specific um, for a very specific role in my company, and I was, you know, actually looking at hiring a professional company that would help me find this person with the experience and the skill set. And um, and I felt God very strongly say, "No, <laughs> no, you will not look for this person. You will not hire this person." I will bring this person. I feel like he said to me, the day is going to come when I'm going to give you a young person, a woman. Okay. My husband's like, let's clarify this. <laughs> You're not going to be raising up and like, you know, working closely and, and intimately with a young man. I'm like, yes, of course. Okay. A young woman. God is going to bring a young woman into my life and he's going to say, this is your Joshua. This is your Elisha. This is your Timothy. And I want you to do life with this person. And they're going to come alongside you and they're going to help you. But at the same time, they're going to be a part of your family and you're going to loop them fully in and, and they're going to grow and learn from you and you're going to speak into their life. He is going to bring that person. I am not allowed to hire that person. I'm not allowed to look for that person. He is going to bring that person. And this is what I really believe it comes down to. On a personal level, we can't fix the corporate level. We can't fix the entire body of Christ. But... We can ask God, what does this mean for me? What does this look like for me? See, for me in this stage of my life, unless somebody comes alongside in my business, I do not have the time or the capacity to do discipleship well. I don't. I am discipling my kids. And let me tell you, they are taking absolutely all of me right now because as they get older, the conversations are getting longer and I can't spend 10 hours a day in conversation. So it's getting a little intense. Pray for me. Um, But I'm saying, you know... this is what I'm called to. I'm called to my kids. I'm called to my family. And then I, I, right now God says, speak, speak, speak what I lay on your heart and people can take it or they can leave it. But this, that's me. That's what I feel right now in the season of life I'm in. And one day God is going to bring someone that is not going to be a suck on my life. It's not going to be another thing. It's actually going to be both a help to me and lift a weight off me at the same time as I'm going to be able to pour into somebody else. And it will be this mutually beneficial relationship and it will be healthy and it will not um, be exhausting and it will not be something I dread. It will be something that is life giving. That's me. That's what God has spoken to me. The question for you to take away from this is what is he speaking to you? Are you older and or maybe have less kids or maybe just have the time because you don't have a job and you feel like you have something to offer somebody else and you are hungry to disciple somebody and to speak in someone's life? then please, please, please do not flippantly take that. Say yes to the first person who comes to you. Don't ask God and just just leap into something that could be a, a total mistake. 
please submit that to God and pray and ask him and say, God, you know, I, I want to do this. I want to, I want to speak into somebody's life. I want to disciple somebody else. I want to be a part of the solution, not just griping about the problem. What will you have me do about it? And if you are in a, in a space in your life where you're like, no, I have nothing to give. I'm drowning myself. I'm going through crisis in my family. I'm going through crisis in my marriage. I feel lost. I feel like I need somebody, but I can't find somebody that I admire. I can't find somebody I respect. I can't find someone I know well enough to ask that where that wouldn't be awkward. I'm in a small town. I don't know how to find this in my life, but I feel like I need it. Then Don't just go ask the first person you see. Don't just go ask the person who's the most public or the biggest form of leadership that you can find. You pray and you ask God to bring you true discipleship, somebody who will be able to pull you into their family and will be able to embrace you and will be able to do life with you and will be able to have community with you. And I believe, you guys, that if we pray and we ask God what he would have us do, that he will either bring us the help that we need or, like in my case, because I did pray for that, then Holy Spirit acted as that in my life. And he came and filled the gap that was there and he mentored and he counseled and because I didn't have that. But now more and more, I feel it just, just it's, a, it's like a little reminder in the back of my head, what I did not have, I will give to somebody else. I can't fix the fact that when I most needed it, there was no one. But I can fix the fact that when somebody else needs it, I will be there. Would you join me? We're going to pray, but but I'm going to ask you to join me to pray. To pray beyond this podcast episode. To pray um, in the coming weeks and months for, for God to restore community, for God to restore discipleship and relationship within the body of Christ, for God to um, heal the body of Christ and bring unity in it, and that God will speak to us and begin to appoint mothers and daughters and fathers and sons. I think that if we pray together and we seek him and we agree on this, that we will start to see change. Maybe it won't be global. Maybe it won't be, you know, the whole world fixed in a day. But, but maybe we'll start to see changes in our communities, in our local churches, in, in our own lives, in the lives of our children. Because we are contending not just for what we need, but maybe we are going to pray for, and we don't even know it, but we are praying for who will be the mentor and the disciple um, or, the, or give discipleship, sorry, to our children. And that is equally as important and valuable. So if you feel stirred in your heart, I, I would say join me in prayer for this in your morning devotions and let's close off with prayer. God, we thank you for the model that you give us in scripture. We thank you for the model of discipleship. We thank you for the model of community. We thank you for the model of, of the family of God and what true unity is supposed to look like. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a living word, that it is active for today, for now in our world, though it may seem very different from the world of Acts. We thank you, God, that that you are active today, that you speak today. And we ask you, Father, we ask you to, to, for the ones that are listening to this right now that have the time and the capacity, God, we ask you to, to bring about a spirit relationship 
with somebody in their lives that they can disciple that will not be based on their knowledge, on their head, on who could I do that with, who would it make sense, but rather, God, that you would establish relationships. You would bring together mother and daughter. You would bring together father and son, that you would begin to establish spiritual connections, spiritual mother um, and father and sons and daughters, God, that you would begin to establish that in your body, one-on-one, that you would just allow us to um, hear your voice about what you're speaking to us, about who you want to draw us to, Father, and that you would also bring this about for our children. There would be people who would speak into the lives of our children, who would be trusted, who would give them wise counsel, who would, um, who would lead them together alongside what we have been doing in the way that they should go. And God, if we are in a stage in our lives right now where we need discipleship, we need mentorship, we just need someone to pray with us and speak into our life and, and actually know us and love us and do life and community with us, then God, I pray that you will bring the people. I pray that you would bring people to speak into our marriages. You would bring people to speak into our parenting. You would bring people who would speak the truth in love, not with judgment and condemnation, not with a haughty um, spirit, not with pride, not with a I know everything, but in love and relationship and community because you will establish a relationship that is life-giving. God, may we surrender even our relationships to you. May we surrender every relationship to you and say what is healthy, what is not healthy, what is life-giving and what is not life-giving. And God, what do you want us to do about that? Thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak and thank you for discipleship and thank you for community. Even if we haven't seen and tasted it, even if we feel like we don't have it right now, God, we thank you that there is community and that you are healing your church. In your name we pray. Amen.